The cannabis industry can be very scary and exciting at the same time, but you're not alone. Join the community and understand all the different influential people and ancillary providers who can help you scale and grow your audience and your business. I'm your host, Kamin Thrath. Let's dive into the Cannabis Business Development Podcast. Today, we're excited to have another really great special guest who's going to share his story. And I think it'll be really helpful for those that are listening on a personal end, but also I think for businesses, you know, to figure out how they can help other folks who are dealing with the same thing that Keith is doing today. And also welcome back our expert medical guru, Dr. Ben Kaplan. How are you doing, Ben? Hey, great. Thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm super excited to have Keith here. I think he's got an amazing story that people really want to hear and, and can relate to. So it's an incredible day for me. All right. So today we have Keith Black. Mr. Black has been diagnosed with autoimmune inflammatory arthritis back in 2015. And in 2018, he was disabled due to the loss of vision in his right eye, along with other nervous system disorders. So Mr. Black spent many years trying to manage his pain and inflammatory Implementation using non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, pain meds, chiropractic therapy, etc. With all of, of those methods, he found no success. So since the legalization of marijuana, Mr. Black has looked to medical marijuana and has successfully managed and alleviated much of his pain and implementation with a combination of medical marijuana alternatives. So we definitely look forward to hear what you have to say today, Keith and to learn more about your whole story and journey. So welcome to the show. Great, thank you. So as you'd mentioned, in the, back in 2015, I was diagnosed with um, autoimmune inflammatory arthritis, and I had been a casual marijuana user up to that point and found myself in North Carolina at the time where marijuana wasn't legalized. So, you know, I would buy marijuana like everybody did back then, which was, you know, you didn't know what you're getting. They might have a name to it, but I, I didn't know there was even such a thing as sativa and indicas and different type of brands. But, you know, I worked in um, pretty high paced, high tech business, and I needed it to help manage my pain and inflammation. And my struggle was, you know, how do I do this during the day and get my work done? And then I needed it to unwind at night. And I was working using you know, kind of the same, <laughs> the same marijuana to do two different things. And at the time, I didn't know any better. But, you know, it did help me get by a little bit. But when I moved to Mass, I became a medical marijuana patient about two years ago. And uh, I had spent the prior three years going through introductions of steroids, biologics for my um, arthritis. I was having muscular issues, spasms, stomach issues. And uh, I finally became a medical marijuana patient and started my journey with Dr. Kaplan and really learning what would help and what wouldn't. And the one thing you know, I'll say, and I'll probably hear me repeat, you're going to hear a lot of things from a lot of people. You can do a lot of reading, but at the end of the day, it's a lot of trial and error. What works for you? Because I find these strains don't exactly work the same for everybody. You have a different chemical makeup in your body and they affect you differently. So I've gotten to a point where last year was a real tough year medically for me. I was diagnosed on top of the arthritis with a small fiber neuropathy, a nervous system disorder, which has caused a lot of issues with, as you can see, my eyes and wearing these uh, glasses to protect me from light. I have stomach issues with spasming. I have muscle spasms. And I had a horrible year two years ago, and I started to manage all of this with a course of using marijuana as a medicine and not as a recreational drug. And it's kind of blown my mind when you start to make that shift and to think of it as a medication. And now I've been able to say, okay, here's my strain for the day. Here's my strain for night. Here's a strain if something acts up. And I've began 
I'm no longer on steroids and I'm no longer on any inflammatory medication, which blows my mind. I never thought I'd get off of it. I'm talking, you know, things like Tylenol and aspirin and you know, all those things everybody takes every day, terrible for your stomach, terrible for your system. I don't take them anymore. And I have massive inflammation in my body that's now under control. So that's really the kind of high level about what got me to where I am, why I'm on the call today. And I wanted to share, you know, some of the lessons I've learned from both the buying strategy and how you can save money because you know, it can get expensive, but also from a, how you can be most effective in you know, choosing which strain is going to work for you and you know, managing your specific medical issues. Awesome. Thanks, Keith. I think as we keep going, I hope we'll have time to hear your thoughts about sort of the opiate path and what it took to help you with getting rid of opiates from your regimen. But also, you know, one of the things that I found interesting about your path, Keith, was your aversion to edibles. You know, in the past, we talked about how they didn't really agree with you, that you had some reactions to edibles. And I'd love for you to, to teach people yeah, about your experience. And, and Dr. Kaplan, you know, but, you know, I always go back to them occasionally and I continue to have the same problem. So why am I doing it? because they're edibles and they seem like you know, a fun thing to do. But honestly, an edible, in marijuana terms, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's much more difficult to have it as a medicine, as a sativa or an indica because of the way it's made. That's my understanding. And if you're inhaling or using a tincture, you're much better off in getting that indica, sativa or specific strain type of help and you know, geared towards what you're using it for. And the edibles did two things. They just made me tired, sleepy. I couldn't get anything done. They put me to sleep and I felt groggy. I felt awful and it would last a day and a half. What was the point? I don't feel that way when I utilize certain tinctures and flowers to my daily regimen and do it, you know, you know here's something that's going to keep me awake and alert and energized and here's something that's going to help me relax. And uh, tinctures work great. They work quickly. The edibles take two hours on average. It can take an hour and a half. It can take two and a half hours, depending on what you ate. And then some people are like, oh, they're not working. I'm going to smoke. And the next thing you know, you're in the hospital. And I'm not joking about that. I've actually seen people go to the hospital from edibles, which blows me away because marijuana has never affected me like prescription drugs has. And that's one of the reasons I love it. You talked about the opioids. You know, I had cancer last year as well. And so it upticked my opioid level. And I think I'm the first patient ever to say, get me off of opioids. I mean, I, you know, everybody loves them. I'm like, no, I don't want to be on them. And the medical industry didn't have a path forward unless they wanted to put you down as an addict. So I used marijuana to taper myself off. I mean, it was wonderful. And, you know, people say, well, that's impossible. But, you know, if you start to really understand, you know, work with Dr. Kaplan, utilize your resources and understand what's going to help you with what, I mean, you're not going to smoke a sativa to get off of an opioid. I don't recommend that at all. You want something that's more of a mellow and helps with anxiety. And by the way, it's not just opioids. I'm no longer on any anxiety medication. Now, I will say I've done some mindfulness techniques as well to go along with marijuana you know, mind body. So I've got my mind, I meditate body. I've got my marijuana and you know, it really works well. I'm glad Keith, you brought up the meditation because, you know, a lot of people don't know how cannabis fits into the rest of their lives. You know, your question about flour and the sort of breadth of the natural option versus the edibles actually relates more to mindfulness and setting than you might think. You know, one of the things that makes cannabis so interesting is that the plant is incredibly complex in terms of its ingredients 
it's a little bit like having an entire store of pharmaceuticals put into a blender that this one plant naturally produces. There's so much in there, you know, like really over 500 different compounds. That's part of the natural plant, the flower. I think from your lips to all the billboards, I mean, this is the story that I hear consistently that people are not only getting off of other medicines using cannabis, but the topicals are incredibly powerful. I mean, in Western medicine, we don't have, you know, really great topicals where the results are so dramatic, but I hear it all the time with cannabis. I think you just hit the nail on the head. We have so many topical ointments that don't work and they're all, you know, snake oil salesman stuff. This is not snake oil salesman. That's all I can say. You have to try it. I think, again, I said at the beginning, experiment, try, and you'll find your way through it. Listen to what people say so you don't have to spend a ton of money. And honestly, Dr. Kaplan, you've helped me a lot on my journey, um, and I thank you for it. It's a privilege being there with you. You know, I think the opportunity to help people like you who are sort of lost to some degree, you know, like, you know, kind of what works in general terms, but to help narrow that focus down and help mostly support with education and information is a real privilege for me. And and my hope, honestly, is that some of the clinicians who are watching can understand that this is real medicine, that people are really getting value out of it. They are really helping themselves, you know, not only treat what they're doing. I feel like that you're the setup guy for me right now. So when you say, you know, the doctors, the medical facilities, I will say this, with a small fiber neuropathy, when I was diagnosed, I was shocked from a rheumatology perspective, oncology perspective, primary care perspective, and my neurologist, four doctors across the board all said CBD, THC. Not only did they not have a problem with it, they recommended it. You don't see it in my patient notes because they can't put it in the patient notes. But, you know, they all you know, said, you really should try it. They have a lot of patients that's work. I already let them know I was. You know, and small fiber neuropathy, it basically is for those who don't understand. I mean, if you have fibromyalgia, you know, things like that. It's a nerve disease. And you know, I, I just want to put it in terms that a lot of people out there might understand. So for something like that, I'm telling you right now, that bomb, THC, CBD, and, and, and then using the products. I mean, just so you understand what I use, I, I do a flower, tinctures, and then the full spectrum is pretty much my product mix. And, you know, occasionally I'll throw in a, a key for, uh, you know, some kind of high THC, something or other when I'm having a really bad day. For people that are curious, the reason that this stuff is working for Keith is actually because the cannabinoids bind to receptors in our brains, which actually also bind to the opiates. So when you were taking opiates, they were giving you some pain relief. There are receptors in your brain called the mu opiate receptors. Cannabis happens to bind to those same receptors, although in smaller, less powerful increments. So as you described, you were getting relief from the opiates hitting that receptor, but then as cannabis also hits that receptor, you can take it consistently enough and be able to avoid the dependency on opiates. Yeah. So Dr. Kaplan, we were talking about topicals too. And why is it that a lot don't work, but then it seems like there's this momentum, right? Where cannabis, it does work. Some people think, what's the secret sauce here? What's happening? (laughs) So it's actually just education. You know, knowledge really is power. There are components of cannabis, which help cannabis penetrate more deeply, help the anti-inflammatory aspects of the plant penetrate the skin more deeply. If a company doesn't know what they're doing, if they think THC is the answer, CBD is the answer, or maybe it's some combination of those, if they're not thinking beyond just the simple, then they're leading themselves astray and they're leading their patients astray, the people they're serving. And a lot of people are disappointed. You know, unfortunately, 
R&D and medical advisors and scientific advisors are expensive. And it's hard to sort of figure out how that fits into a business model. But without real science, without appropriate testing and appropriate sort of modeling with customers, you end up with a product that's not working and it turns people off. So it ends up being a losing opportunity. So education, you said, is a lack, but what else is lacking? Because I feel like, you know, there are so many great use cases for, for topicals that are like for modern everyday issues, you know, when it comes to like pain and migraine. Why is it not more mainstream? I think the cannabis industry is still very much in business infancy that they have spent, in many cases, the dispensary systems, the companies have spent a lot of money on infrastructure and development and very little on, you know, some places are, are licensing out formulas from other people because they know they want to make money and they want a formula that works. Maybe they're not developing their own brands. Maybe they don't know that that's an important part of customer service. And especially as the cannabis industry is starting to mature in slow increments, there's competition coming. And I think people are being pushed out of the market because they're not putting in the extra effort. I, I personally, I'll just, you know, you can agree or disagree, but, you know, THC is not a federally approved drug. CBD is, you see it in all the stores, you see it in CVS. So I think it'll make its way into all the products as soon as that happens, whenever that might be. But I think that's something that's also limiting it to show up in all the stores. And, you know, I'm not going to get into politics or anything, but you know they've got a long way to get through when it, you know, doctors are going to recommend it as a medical solution. I mean, they're doing it casually, but I think you know with a system today, I think there's a lot of hurdles. You know, just with THC not being federally approved. Yeah, no, Keith, I think that's a great point. I think the lack of federal legalization has really been a handicap for research. If there isn't enough research to push the needle. For understanding, then companies are certainly not going to adopt something that's iffy and, and unbounded. So they have to often do their own research, and that's just expensive. Let me ask you a question. Uh, clinical trials, are they doing clinical trials? Yeah, yeah, there are clinical trials being run all the time. But one of the interesting problems with cannabis is that maybe the old tools don't apply well. We, in science, we like to think that we have the right set of tools, you know, randomized controlled trials meta-analyses are the traditional sort of gold standards of medical understanding. But, you know, what if the placebo effect is governed by the endocannabinoid system that creates some confounding within the randomized control trial framework that becomes yeah. a method of study that doesn't apply anymore. And on the other side, meta-analyses is when you're combining studies that have been done in the past, looking for trends between them. If the studies of past were conducted by the National Institutes for Drug Abuse, if they were biased against cannabis, if they were mostly looking at people who smoked cannabis instead of using edibles or vapor, we have a lot of inherent variability and confounding that will send signals and send the meta-analyses down a wrong path. I mean, there's just so much information out there, but yet there's so much lack of ways to find it or lack of information. So, I mean, Keith, hearing you just like talk about all this stuff, I mean, it really sounds like I could be talking to Dr. Ben, right? <laughs> so like, for all the people saying, how did Keith get all this information? Walk us through like what happened yeah. in the beginning and then where yep. do you find, like what were the challenges? Three years ago, I barely knew the difference between a sativa and an indica. And pre-COVID, thank God, I was able to go into the dispensaries and talk to the people. And I'll tell you, some people were unbelievably knowledgeable, some weren't. 
I shared with them my medical issues. Every year I went to Dr. Kaplan to get my card renewed and I did not take the 15 minute quick call just to get my card renewed. I always spent an hour with him and we had fascinating conversations. He's provided me with research, but honestly, as I said at the beginning, it was trial and error. So I started to listen to people tell me what worked for certain things. I talked to customers when they were in there and I finally found things that started working for me. I'm still learning every day. I'm still finding new products every day. I've learned that I can make my own keef by having a grinder and you know, letting all the resin and everything fall to the bottom and I don't have to go and buy it. I mean, one of the things I'll talk about at some point when you tell me it's a good time is how do you go out and buy and afford this? Because it can be expensive. One of the other reasons I don't do edibles is it's too expensive. It's not a, the best bang for the buck. Flour is the best bang for the buck, but a lot of people don't like to smoke. You know, and so I went to tinctures. I thought they were the be all to end all and they would be if they weren't so expensive. And by the way, you know, you find out things like, hey, a tincture works quicker than anything else. So if I'm in distress, I want a tincture. I don't want to go and take an edible. I may not even want to go and try flour if I need a quick, you know, relief. And by the way, tincture doesn't go through your liver and your stomach. And it's, you know, there are things that are better for you. Um, the edible does. The flour, same thing. I had issues with my lungs, issues with my stomach. I had cancer. I have arthritis. So I had to be aware of all these things. And I had to take it very seriously. And a lot of people only do this casually. I, I was very serious about the use. I became my own doctor. And I finally got myself to this point where I literally, you know, have different types of uh, strains for the day and based on how I'm feeling. Um. And I am disabled, <laughs> so I have a lot of time on my hands. But yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, reading. There is no NIH to Dr. Kaplan's point. I couldn't go to the National Institute of Health and say, hey, you know, maybe they do have something on it now. I wouldn't be surprised Dr. Kaplan talked about that. But I went to them for all my health issues and they never talked about CBD and THC. I would love to see at some point a Mayo Clinic that focuses on this. If you had that, you would start to solve a lot of problems, give people a place to go to and have a place to do everything from you know, the trials and everything else. And what an amazing concept that would be to have a holistic center that has a you know, THC, CBD, marijuana component to it, I think would be amazing. I, I actually see that someday down the road that you'll see these clinics popping up. I know they've already talked about having places where you can go and, and smoke in public and you know, meet other people and talk about you know, what's going on. And, I think that would be good. I think socializing it would, would be great. People come to me. They call me their concierge. <laughs> so talk to the people who know their best. If you don't know anyone, go into the store or talk to them online and uh, utilize Dr. Kaplan's resources. I have. That got me started. You know, there's a lot of stuff there. And I have a hard time reading, so don't tell me you can't read. <laughs> and there's podcasts like this one. No, exactly. I think, you know, Keith, one, one thing that makes me really proud from what you said was your agency, you know, the autonomy that you've had learning on your own. I think the model that is now becoming passe is where the doctor does everything. And one thing I tell my patients now is my definition of success is when patients can be their own leader, when it's about their own success and their own journey, they're their own bus driver. That's where the medical system's broke. Nobody wants to take responsibility. And when they do, it's the wrong way. I'm sorry. I just, I feel so strongly about that because of what I've been through. I can't tell you how frustrated I am with the doctors. And I do feel like I've become my own doctor. 
And I have seen the medical system go towards that. I think they're looking to that. Primary care physicians are now saying, go to the specialist. I'm not even going to say anything. And the other thing I'll say is share with your doctors that you are having THC and CBD. They're not going to put you in jail. They're not going to, you know, have you go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. You know, it's not looked down on that way. And every doctor I talk to says, good for you. You're managing the symptoms. Continue doing that. No, I, it's, it's such an important thing that everybody really should hear because that's the message I'm hearing also in clinic that, you know, doctors are over the don't ask, don't tell thing. They're over the, that's just for addiction. You know, doctors are really, as you've described and experienced, they're embracing it and realizing that it's working. Hopefully the next step is for doctors to start learning about it and to be able to advise their patients. But until then, I'm happy for them to recommend, you know, referring them to specialists because I think there are a yeah. few of us who really do care. I think a good next step to talk about after that is how do you afford it? Because what I just talked about is trial and error. And that can be really expensive. And it was for me. Like I said, with you know, tinctures and edibles, it was killing me. And I ended up going to more of a tincture flower type of thing. And even the flower was killing me. I mean, depending on where you go, it's 300 to $400 an ounce. How do you afford that? What if I told everybody on this call, I've got it to under $150 an ounce. How is that possible for a medical marijuana patient? It is. But it took me this journey and it took me working with eight different dispensaries to find the one that had a um, frequent buyer program. They give me discounts before the general public. They treat their medical patients great. They give you discounts based on the amount you're buying. And now they have things called value flower. You know, there are things, everything from shake to value flower to high end. And how do you know the difference? Is it worth it? Don't buy the shake anybody unless you're cooking. It's not worth it. But the value flower is worth it. For me, if it's over 20% THC, I consider it medical and it's going to work for me. And I've been buying one ounce, one ounce of, you know, same thing it comes in a one ounce package instead of paying three, $400. Those packages are 200, you get them on a 20, 30% off sale, and now you're paying less than 150. Buy in bulk, you save a lot of money. But don't buy four different levels of strains. And if you don't understand the levels, talk to the place you're buying it from and they'll explain it to you. Is it worth it to pay five, $10 more for a couple of points in THC? Sometimes, depends what you're using it for. So, you know, that was something that took me a long time you know, my spend was really high and I've cut it more in half. And I have one that I can walk to right next to me, but I use one that delivers. I used to go up to Maine all the time because it was so much cheaper in Maine, but Maine's not regulated. You don't know what THC level you're getting. And, you know, sometimes you'd be very surprised. Their products are good, but there's a war now in Massachusetts and the dispensaries are all competing and there's a lot of them and it's driven the price down and if you buy in bulk, um, and find the right mix for you. If you're going to do all tinctures and edibles, good luck. <laughs> it's expensive. At least for me, I mean, I, I need a lot. You know, I, I have inflammation in my whole body and I have to stop it. And just by the way, for those wondering, I get tested for it. I get a blood test. I forget what it's called, CPR, CRP. It doesn't show inflammation in my body. Keith, you mentioned you kind of, I don't know if you hacked uh, a solution or you're doing some stuff on your own. Can you walk us through like what 
what that process looks like at home for you? As far as? I, I believe you said you were either grinding or you were doing something. Oh, oh, oh yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's actually really, I'm glad you brought that up. So flour, boy, you can waste a lot of money with flour too, right? You really shouldn't be touching the flour too much because you know, I don't want to get into a whole medical marijuana and science and everything. Dr. Kaplan's better at that. But the trichomes and those little crystally things you see on it, you want those. And the less you touch, the better. So if you're taking those and putting them directly into a bong or a bowl or, or rolling a joint, you're going to lose a lot of the potency. And you're going to lose a lot of the pot because you're not able to get it into its finest amount. I mean, nowadays, the, especially the indoor grown, it's very dense and you have to grind it. And it, it just, you'll see it, it kind of fluffs out. But in the grinders, they have a very small little mesh that catches all that stuff that I said, don't touch. And then you can unscrew the bottom of the grinder and you have your own keef. And what keef is, it's the trichomes and all the good stuff that comes off of the buds that's smokable. You could buy it. It's going to cost you $100 for one gram of keef. I can guarantee you, I have three grams right now sitting in the bottom of my grinders. And you only need a little. You add it to the bowl and it adds the potency and it helps you extend how long your marijuana lasts significantly. But a lot of people don't know that. And I don't know, Dr. Kaplan, if you agree, but I find the less you touch it, the better off you are. And using a grinder is a very good idea. Your hands generally are quite oily, even though they might not feel that way. And oil attracts oil. And the more you're touching cannabis products with your hands, the more it gets distributed to your hands instead of to where you want it to be. And I just think you do better. You get a lot more out of the grinder. You know, and you, you lose a lot less. I find it's definitely much more efficient. And I've seen it from a lot of other people. I, everybody I know is now using grinders and getting a lot more use out of their flour. So one thing, I don't know if we have time to talk about, but I talked about using it for medical purposes. And I think one of the most important things I learned is there's, there's indica and sativa. I assume most people on this call know what they are. I'll just say real quickly, I found in general, indicas work really well for my anxiety for some of my stomach issues, my muscle spasms especially, and for stress relief. There are some indicas that work really well for pain relief as well. I have found one particular, you know, I'll name a couple brands, you know, Blue Nana is one that's really good for pain and whatever, but there's 88 hash plant Galacticus that I find are phenomenal for, you know, both anxiety, stress relief, and help with the muscle cramps and everything. And then on the flip side, I was never smoking a sativa until I found out there are some sativas that work for me and it was the terpolines that made a difference. And for me, it was more of the piney terpolines, the mersaline, but things like frozen lemon, citral glue, there may be hybrid leaning sativa or sativas, Cinderella 99, phenomenal for pain. So there are sativa and hybrids that work great for pain, but they also don't kind of make you couch locked. They give you energy. They allow you to get things done. And there's a huge difference between the two. You're not going to get things done with an indica. I'm sorry. I mean, you might if you're out and doing things, but you're really not going to get as much done. They, they almost force you not to. And it's the sativas and the others. If you've got to do some work and you've got to be organized, you've got to go towards those. And they actually help motivate you towards that direction. It's, it's interesting. But I will say there were a lot of sativas I couldn't take. I mentioned that, you know, you're going to have to find out, you know, people out there, what terpenes 
work best for you. And what's interesting is everybody thinks, hey, I need a 30% marijuana strain because this one's only 14 and it's not strong. Well, guess what? If you're taking it for certain reasons, it's the terpenes that help as much as the THC content. And that's very much a personal, it, it affects everybody differently. I, I've seen it. And you know, there's one club, my favorite out there is a frozen lemon if you can ever find it. It's a beautiful hybrid that leans towards the sativa, but has some you know, relaxing, anxiety, stress-reducing effects. So it's important that you, you understand the strains. I mentioned you buy in bulk. Tahoe OG is one that I find out there in bulk at like a 22%. I'm buying it for 150 or less for an ounce. I was spending that for a quarter. Awesome. Yeah, Keith, I think the, the takeaways really from you are many, but your ability to understand what you don't know and seek resources to be able to, to piece it together. You know, some of that was guided, but some of it was very much on your own, looking to what was working for you and what you didn't like. And that was a lot of self-reflection, some introspection. The challenge with a complex plant meeting a complex person is piecing the two together and figuring out where the overlap is, where the mismatch is, you know, and this is a long journey. I mean, this is, like you said, not taking you less than two or three years. You and I have been working together for five years now. There's new products, new research. That's why I utilize you. That's why I do these things. Absolutely. And you know, I appreciate everything you've done. But, you know, I think the best thing for me is my journey was to get off medication. And, uh, you know, no different than when I got off medication, I started adding things in to see how that I did the same with marijuana. You've got to take it seriously if you're using it as a medical patient. I mean, sure, people have fun with it and you can use it recreationally and people have no problem with that. But if you start to use it medically, it, it really opens things up to you. And it's amazing. I am so frustrated with the medical system. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how frustrated I am. To get an appointment, to get off a medication or get on a medication, you got to wait three months. It's ridiculous. And the doctors know less, I think, about some of the medications than I'm starting to find out about marijuana. And that blows me away. It's an astoundingly complex field. And, and one of the things we're going to talk about on a future episode is um, a company I've put together, which is really trying to simplify that complexity. I think at this point, with complex person and complex plant, we need a little bit of artificial intelligence, a little bit of computing power to help simplify the puzzle. And I'm trying yeah, to bring the bear. I think you'll see a day that opiates are replaced by this. I hope you're right. Me too. Uh, doctors are so against opiates now that this is why I think they're starting to recommend marijuana. They'd rather have their patients you know, looking towards something like that. So I think that's a good step. And maybe Dr. Kaplan, that's something we can leverage to you know, keep the momentum going. An anti-opiate program, you know, hidden under the marijuana leaf. <laughs> well, Keith, I, I want to really thank you for being open and, and vulnerable and sharing your story because I think a lot of people can get some great takeaways here. And Dr. Ben, just you always giving the insight and, and connecting all those to the science behind cannabis and, and telling the truth behind it. Well, thank you so much for both of your time today and, you know, wish you the best luck and probably hopefully have you back and keep us filled in and some of the newer things that you're trying out. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Keith. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending your time with us. This podcast is for you. And if you have any topics you'd like to learn more about or suggestions, please email us at podcast at indicativemarketing.com. And don't be a stranger. Connect with me on LinkedIn.